0: That was the escape velocity that we needed. And yes, we developed a resilience brand, which is which is very acutely focused on hoppy American ales and make no apology for that. Um, but that was that was something where the creative process demanded that we showcase our brewer's skills, not just on lagers, but also on these styles. And from a business perspective, why wouldn't we do that?
1: And that was Jeff from Schilling Beer Company on this week's episode of Brew Roots.
2: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Brute, where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. This is Sound Guy Ryan, and joining me today is Matt.
1: Yeah, Erica is on assignment. Well, I Not guess really. we could call it vacation. It's vacation. Yeah, it's vacation. Jealous.
2: Totally jealous. Drinking beer on the beach without us. Yeah, enjoying that South Shore beer scene. Which is killing it. Yes.
1: Yeah, she was at Stellwagen this weekend at Cape Cod Brewery, and I think today she's at like a
2: number of other, other breweries. Yeah, she says she wanted to go to like three or four others. Yeah, so jealous. I'm super jealous. Yeah, well, we have an awesome episode lined up for you today. I know you
1: guys heard the intro, but who do we have this week? We got Shilling Beer Co. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because last week we had East Brother Beer Co. Yep, in on Cali. the left coast. Yep, making awesome pilsners and lagers, and we have people on our
2: coast killing it on the pilsners and
1: lagers. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yep. So I'm really excited because last week's episode was like so fun and getting to drink that beer from california was great and then going into my fridge today and getting a shilling beer i was like
2: yes i think you and i always have a shilling beer at least one yes i always have shilling
1: yeah. and i always have notch and yeah most of the time i have sylvaticus if i'm lucky yeah, it's it it's doesn't just last very, very long, long if I have to. Yeah, smoke, well,
2: the, like, yeah, that's just it is like any of these, you know, great loggers you just don't have them very long because that's like the first beer I always grab out yeah, of the fridge. That's correct. Always. Um, hmm. But yeah, we're super excited to give you this interview. You know, we had a blast. This, I believe, was the last interview of the day.
1: Yeah, and this was the last interview that we did um, pre COVID.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, week after this interview, everything, they, shut down. everything shut down. Everything shut down. Yeah, everything was starting to kind of blow up in the news about COVID at this point. Um, we didn't really want to bring it up at all in this interview because um, we didn't really know what was going to happen.
1: Yeah, I think the assumption at that point was everything was going to be better in two weeks. And
2: yeah, exactly. Guess not. Yeah. So... That's why we don't mention it uh, in this episode, but if you do want to get up to date with uh, with what they're doing in their tap room, definitely go to their website yeah. and uh, social media to check that out.
1: That's correct. Yeah, we have some awesome beer news, thanks to our friends, The Mass Brew Rose, and specifically, the eco-friendly beer drinker. Our friend Rob is part of both groups, and uh, we wanted to share this one because this one's pretty important, and I think it's pretty cool. But uh, what's the article about this week,
2: Ryan? Basically, the gist of it is just how to be more eco-friendly when you're consuming beer by yourself or with your friends, you know, at home or out. Yeah,
1: so the eco-friendly beer drinker gave us eight ways beer drinkers can make eco-friendly choices. So, Brian,
2: what do you think one of those eco-friendly choices could be? Well, I would say the most obvious one is to recycle your cans and bottles. yeah. And something along with that that I remember reading back a while ago, and it could have been from Rob, is to peel off your vinyl labels um, off of the bottles and cans. Um, And I would think um, a creative way of using those vinyl labels... Um, that I've seen a lot of people do is, like, making, you know, a wall or putting them on your fridge or making, like, a table and, like, coating it so you have a really cool, like, beer label table or something. It's just a way to cut back on waste, you know?
1: Absolutely. The reusability factor is huge in that. Yeah, so if you guys want to get more information, we are going to leave a link to that below so we'll leave a link for the master bros because they have awesome news and i can't stress enough to make sure you go follow their page as well and follow eco-friendly beer drinker because that's some really cool stuff and it's really important stuff as well
2: so um yeah links below and uh yeah what do we have next ryan so we have some pretty cool pink boots news Uh, erica isn't here but she mentioned it last week and that is pink boots is having their first meeting uh since covid and it is going to be virtual and it is with the Honeyboard and Trillium. That's right. So Trillium and the Honey Board
1: brewed a beer together. And uh, that kind of resulted in some free honey kits and um, this collab beer and the seminar for Pink Boots, which is pretty cool. So you can join Keith Sees and Allison Wiebel of the National Honey Board in an informative and educational and fun session about honey, honeybees, and brewing with honey. I do apologize if I butchered their last names, but uh, I'm sure... Keith and Allison are going to do an awesome seminar, and bees are really, really important. Um, so that seminar starts at one p.m. on September seventeenth, and uh, it does say that you have to register by September tenth. I do realize that it's September eleventh when this episode gets released, so you might be able to sneak in. I don't know, but we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah,
2: and I, I can't stress this enough. Is like, I I'm so jealous of. All of these Pink Boots opportunities, like these seminars and the scholarships. If you're a woman in the beer industry, please take advantage of all of this. You know, there's so much knowledge. to So be like, yeah. much like I would love to just sit and learn about this stuff. You know, like me getting into brewing. Yeah. It, it just seems like it would be a blast. And
1: we're really lucky because we get a lot of our knowledge from Erica mm-hmm. and she gets a lot of that knowledge from Pink Boots and working in the industry. So like, yeah it's really cool
2: it's really cool
1: yeah absolutely hey and before we get to the episode this week i just wanted to give a huge shout out to small pond studios for making our podcast sound as amazing as possible
2: and if you're anyone who needs to be recorded i don't care if you're a poetry artist a band a podcast doesn't matter what it is go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out that's
1: right so we'll catch you guys on the outro but before further ado cheers, cheers. So, uh, Erica and Ryan, we are up here in uh, Littleton, New Hampshire. My only experience with Littleton, New Hampshire, is I bought a banjo with the full expectation of learning how to play said banjo, so I bought one that was... And then
3: what l- did you do with this banjo?
1: Oh, I sold it and bought a boat, <laughs> cool, which is cool. even worse investment. <laughs> but I enjoy the boat more than I enjoyed the banjo. Funny story, though, is I sold the banjo for more money than I bought it, and... I can say I'm a professional musician because, like, I made some money off of oh, playing the banjo, like, four go. times. So. Yeah. <laughs> um And if you couldn't hear by everyone's laugh, we are obviously here chilling. Oh, obviously, <laughs> yes. Um, we're here with uh, Jeff and John. Thanks for doing this today. I really yeah, appreciate my it. pleasure. Thanks. Uh, we're honored. Yeah, we were talking off air. Uh, we we're excited to do this because um, Ryan's a recovering ho- hop head we call him a recovering hophead. Yeah. Um, and we've turned him to the yeah. loggers and <laughs> he loves your stuff. and I love your stuff, Erica loves your stuff. So we're excited to talk to you guys and talk loggers, Pilsners.
4: Excited yeah. to talk with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We,
0: we like this.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> we start every episode um, getting to know you a little bit, and we want to know what your first memory of beer was Andy and your role at the brewery.
4: Oh geez.
0: Wow. Pro- probably more appropriate to talk about my first professional memory of beer. For our first acceptable memory of beer. <laughs> then our first memory of beer.
3: Whatever whatever for um, you, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: I, you know, sitting on my dad's lap, licking the foam off of uh, Stroh's doesn't count. Mm. But that—that that is my first memory, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> truth be nice. told. Nice. I think really the most seminal memory that, that I have of beer is visiting John in Germany. Sort <clears throat> of been back in the, the mid-90s when John was sitting in Hamburg. And I flew over. And we did a, a grand tour of more or less the best lager producing regions in the continent. And that's stretching from you know Northern Germany all the way down through Bavaria, over into the Czech Republic. And that more or less set in motion what you see now is showing. Hmm. And it was the, the experiences tied in with the, the friendship, tied in with the, the, the scenery, the natural environment of the, the Alps, um and then, looking at the antiquity of Prague and enjoying beer in those environments, that all <clears throat> in summary created a lager drinking experience that is is phenomenal, and we wanted to re- replicate parts of that here
4: yeah i would I would actually echo that <clears throat> my um my love for beer really came from my first days in northern Germany and having a chance to uh, uh drink pilsner german pilsner there um as jeff said we we definitely we did some touring but um going from having crummy macro watered down macro beer in college that was probably not very well handled and yeah. um
0: John you drank beer in college I
4: didn't <laughs> <laughs> right right um to uh, to having full flavored all malt all malt beer was a real different. eye opener absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know i think it um it led me uh, later, so after coming home after a year of study in Germany, getting back in the U.S. in and, and, um, in the mid-'90s and, and and immediately going to a, a local bottle shop and not finding anything I wanted oh, to drink. Oh, that must
1: have sucked so yeah. bad. And <laughs> <laughs> right. um, your respected roles here at the brewery?
0: Yeah, we, we're both co-founders. I'm the CEO, and John's the the head of our brewery operations. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So... Can we talk about, where did you guys, how did your paths converge? Um, how long have you guys known each other? Go ahead, Jeff.
0: <laughs> what is it, 30, 37 years? Aww. Something like that? Do you have
3: an exact date? <laughs> you, know, okay. yeah. you celebrate it
0: every year. <laughs> well, John. John. John, 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 hands a, John has a fond memory of an outfit that I wore to baseball camp in seventh grade. He reminds me of that pretty regularly. Nice. But yeah, so John and I. John and I met at Can a, I it. Can we hear about it? Well, really all,
4: all I'll say is that um, the concept of heat shorts should not have been a thing.
0: Nice. <laughs> Tie-dye, tie eyed shorts, Love it. Know, kind of below the knee. Yeah, They're pretty sweet. Yeah, nice. it's 1987, I think, too. Mm-hmm. So. We're I'm sure da- it was
3: we're, cool then. That was very cool yeah we're no. dating, we're dating <laughs> ourselves
0: a little bit but um, no I, I mean John and I were have been best friends for many many years and we've, we grew up together and we went to college together and conceived of this this dream of opening up a, a brewery together. Our families took us in different areas um, during our what mid-20s, early 30s. John lived in Europe. Um, I was in the UK, moved to DC. And then our paths were um, able to, to more or less reunite um, back up here in the north country. And, and over uh, beer
1: almost, right? Over
0: beer. That's yeah, awesome.
1: That's right. That's the uniting force, really. Um, what was life like before Schilling? What did you guys do? Yeah,
4: so prior to Schilling, I, I had a career in education. Uh, taught chemistry, was a coach for, for many, many years, coached baseball and, and uh, softball. And... Um, yeah, and live, as Jeff said, lived in Europe for many years. Um, worked at a, a boarding school in Salzburg, Austria, for uh, for seven years. And um, yeah, in fact, it was it was Jeff and his family coming to this area first that was uh, the family connection for us to come back to this part of the U.S. Yeah. We decided we we're gonna. You know, not settle in in Europe for the long haul, even though we had fantastic years there, and we just decided it was time to move back to the U.S. be be a little closer to family, and our family still all lives in the in the Midwest. But having Jeff and 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 Monica and their family here close by, we decided yeah. to to come this way. Also, you know, the uh, the mountains became really important for us. So right. living in living in Austria, we decided that. This was a really nice Hmm. place to to check out, you know, compared to growing up in in uh, in Flatland, Midwest.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What uh, what's home for you guys, if you mind me asking? Uh, I live just outside of Littleton. Okay. No, I mean uh, originally, where'd you guys grow up? Traverse City, Michigan. Okay. Yeah. So the beer scene there, growing up, I'm sure. Was not anything other than the yellow fizzy stuff that your dad would drink. You know, I,
0: I don't know that in the mid eighties the beer scene of, was was much of anything anywhere <laughs> yeah. at that point in time. Yeah, but. yeah no, I think the um, there were there were a couple of brew
4: pubs that went in um, that I remember when we were when we were in high school and thinking that that was fairly novel. Um, and actually, uh, they're still they're still in town, but we, um, um, yeah, I would say. Beer experience cool. when we we're <laughs> coming out of coming out of high school, going into
1: college was,
4: yeah, yellow and fizzy. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> Jeff, what was your
0: previous life like? So I worked in international relations okay. with a focus on terrorism. Okay, and so I did All that right. for.
1: You're the first one to tell us that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so that <is> the first, <laughs> that's the first heard one. That yeah, one. Definitely, cool. definitely a, a career path that diverged. Um, but I, I find it so gratifying now that we're actually making a product that. You can sit there and enjoy and taste and discuss with people, rather than debating policy or, or mm-hmm. whatever else. And so, yeah. So I worked in D.C., um, worked uh, worked in the U.K., and now I'm here.
1: Right here.
3: Very cool.
1: Um, obviously, it wasn't just a text message between you guys to say or an email, uh, "Hey, you want to open a brewery." Um, <laughs> how long was the planning phase, and when did it really become less of a pipe dream and more of a reality?
4: Yeah, so I, I can speak to that because I, I would say out of the two of us, I was much less interested in the business at first, I uh, you know, being the <clears throat> excuse me, being the um, being the brewer. Um, as, as I said, I started brewing in the in mid late mid late '90s. I started home brewing basically to be able to drink the beer that I wanted to drink yeah. <laughs> that I couldn't, couldn't get. Find, here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so that turned into when we moved back to the U.S. Especially then, it really sort of turned up um, in the early early mid '2000s. Turned up the heat on uh, developing a brewery at home. Built a, a fairly Um, sophisticated pilot brewery in my basement, and my my wife's a lovely lady.
3: (laughs) To put up with all that,
4: right? (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, But yeah, we um, um, got to the point where we're producing enough, or I was producing enough beer that we couldn't, you know, we couldn't get through the kegs of beer, right? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, uh, 2010, I think we started talking more seriously about what, what it could look like, and, um, yeah, and I'm grateful, Jeff, and uh, especially Jeff, but Jeff and, and um, my other partners, Jeff's brothers, Matt and Stu, and, and their dad, Bruce, approached me. I think we really started talking um, nuts and bolts in 2012. Um, early 2012, we probably spent about a year in demographic studies and looking at real estate, um, and sort of testing the landscape around here. Originally we thought we would have a Vermont brewery. Yeah. I, I lived and still live in, in St. Johnsbury, Vermont. Cool. And, um, yeah, we thought we'd put it close to, um, close to my place in St. Jay, um, St. Jay wasn't ready to support a brewery of what we were dreaming about. Yeah, they and, must be
1: kicking themselves out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. have to comment on that, but
4: Yeah, right. yeah well. unfortunately, I think it w- it wasn't that um the town wasn't we had plenty of of support from friends, we just didn't have the we didn't have the demographics, the volume
3: yeah,
4: was not can. there and and Littleton was already a very vibrant business community. Yeah. Um And yeah, we decided at that point we're going to focus our attention here Mm. in town, and uh, very, very glad we did. Uh, But opened in uh, late fall of 2013 after about a year of renovations and tweaking of our business plan. And I don't think we opened on a quite on a shoestring, but it was maybe like a (laughs) bootlace,
3: yeah,
0: Yeah, an elongated hiking (laughs) bootlace. Yeah, Yeah. is is, is an appropriate description. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I know that we, we certainly had endeavored back in the early 2000s to may, maybe do something like this someday, and that was where I think that discussion stopped. We went yeah. to grad school and, yeah. you know, kind life, of, kind life, of yeah, life, life catches children, up and, yeah. you, you know, you have kids and you do these things, but when John moved back in 2006, 2006 or seven? Six. Six. Uh, that's, that's really, I think, when we started talking a little bit more seriously, as John alluded to, and... Um, yeah, the, our, our wives, Monica and Shannon, were, were very patient during that time. We had a lot of, uh, of, of great sessions in the green room, which is uh, the equivalent of John's basement. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so there was a, a, a green pleather couch down there <laughs> where I would sleep. We'd go over and have these, uh, these, these brew sessions <laughs> right? Um, that also, you know.
3: Sleep it they, off. Yeah they, yeah, they, yeah, they included a
0: few beers. <laughs> yep. And uh, we had fun. That's and awesome. uh, fortunately now John has his basement back and waxes skis there and we have a, a five vessel 20 barrel system instead of your whatever that was <laughs> so that's exactly. good
4: yeah i built nice. i built i built all the all the equipment too it was it yeah. was one of yeah. those you know I, I loved uh i loved thinking about the the fluid dynamics yep. of of how everything worked and the yep. pumping and yeah, the
1: ingenuity of it absolutely yeah.
4: and that that for me actually to a great extent was a, was a um, Almost as interesting to me as as brewing itself was the innovation and the and yeah. the, the tech behind it. And as Jeff said, yeah, now we um, we had the chance to custom build our uh, our production brew house. That must been yeah. pretty cool for it you. It was awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, John, I think you're minimizing my technical contribution. To this stuff,
4: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pumps for Jeff were fans and.
0: and I, I'm a social That's scientist. Cool. I have nothing to contribute whatsoever <laughs> in terms of the the fluid dynamics of our of our processes. Yeah, it's all right.
3: That's fine. <laughs>
1: we have a lot of homebrewers who listen to the podcast, and oftentimes I think homebrewers are unfairly um, given false Hopefully. information about their their homebrew. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how do you how did you get honest feedback about your homebrew to improve to? You know, what we're drinking today.
4: Well, you know, I think um
1: I have a world
0: class palate.
4: Yeah,
1: so
0: yeah, just yeah. Definitely, definitely.
1: You just know your shit.
4: <laughs> I think I think honestly having lived in Europe so long and um really having um um you know, spent the better part of a decade there. Um I was the, the probably the harshest critic of what I was brewing. So you and relied on your own palate. Yeah, I, I think I did. Um and yeah, of course, you're right. all home brewers they give their their friend's beer and hey it's free oh, beer this is great you should yeah, go yeah. pro yeah exactly um <laughs> yeah. so you know i think i think um my methodical fairly methodical approach to things i think these guys maybe got bored after a while. i think i spent like an entire year
3: nitpicking the same recipe yes. right yeah. Yeah.
4: I, yeah i i, I brewed kosh and altbier for at least 12 months yeah um <laughs> and those are still you know some of the favorite styles for me i i, I love those uh I love those styles, but yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time brewing those and um uh being my my own harshest critic i I didn't enter beers into competitions very very mm-hmm. often I just uh I trusted. My own, uh, my own catalog yeah. of what I had over the years.
3: Did you um, ever get any education for brewing beer or anything when you were so here?
4: no, so never. I mean, I, okay. I think I, I gave myself an education, yeah. so my my uh, my library is is pretty robust. Well, cool. you're
0: a chemist, yeah. and so that counts for something, right? right. No,
4: of
3: course. Yeah. But some people go to like brewing school yeah, whatever, absolutely you know? yeah. so awesome That's and cool, i
4: though. and i respect the i respect the the formal education pathway yeah. very very much you know i think it's uh if 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 i were to do it again i think i could i could look back and see an alternate pathway that yeah. it could, could have taken me through weinstefan or one of the one of the great schools in germany or, or belgium even For um sure. but uh yeah you know i i i I didn't have that option, so I yeah. I gave myself the education. i work. I, 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 <laughs> I obviously I, I'm fluent in German, and so I, I I did the the German texts and the yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a, a robust cool. robust library.
1: Uh, late nineties. Ease of access to information wasn't there. The internet was in its infancy, so relying on your palate for something that you might have tried a year, two, three. Were you taking notes in Germany, knowing that this was something that you were going to do, or you were just remembering?
4: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was mostly from memory, to be honest. Um, and that might sound a little, uh, <laughs> a, a little strange, but um, I think, um, you know, I think was ve- I was very. I may not have taken formal notes, but I think it was very. Attentive to what I was drinking and um, you know, I think on our uh, on our staff when I look at um, Our staff in our production brewery right now. I think um, Chris who's our head brewer and I um, I Think we both have been blessed with the ability to to pick out uh, pick out what we're tasting Um, and I get the honor of, of, of judging at European beer star Every year, I think that's cool. just from a lot of experience. You know, yeah. I think that maybe yeah. maybe that says I've had a lot of beer over the years. <laughs> um, no, but I, I but I studied. I also studied the the sensory analysis as well. So yeah. I mean, I've spent a lot of time um, fine tuning what I'm good at tasting for diacetyl. For me, I I can smell it off of the table from a foot away. Yep. Um, I don't pick up oxidation quite as well as I'd like, but but you've um, honed that
1: skill. Over but the I've year. honed that skill,
4: yeah. Um, and um, yeah. And the other thing is, I <clears throat> I would not consider myself to be a terribly artistic person outside of beer. Beer makes a lot of sense to me, and so being able to translate raw materials into um, the glass, so designed a designed a glass, just makes. Ultimate sense to me. So, as far as loggers are concerned, those traditional beers um, and being able to create what I have in my mind, I think that happens to be yeah. something I was gifted with. Um,
3: it's you want me a to scale. draw?
4: You want me to draw something? <laughs> Forgive yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but but beer makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
3: That's cool.
0: I think your experience living in, in Europe for, what, the better part of a decade was also That's pretty, pretty important. huge. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, of imprint, certainly, from your, your experience there and teaching science over there and, and just in general life daily. Yeah, for sure. Because I know you and I regularly enjoyed some very good beers when we were there. <laughs> this is true. That's awesome.
2: This has been a great interview so far, but before we continue, let's take a quick break, crack open a fresh beer, and hear a quick word from our sponsors.
3: Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family-owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts?
2: Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you, whether you're a commercial brewery or a small-batch home brewer.
1: Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers! Cheers.
2: At our local homebrew shop, Beer & Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, and cheese. Not sure where to start? The knowledgeable staff at Beer & Wine Hobby are there to help. Beer & Wine Hobby is
1: family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. To learn more about them, check out their website, www.beer-wine.com.
3: Don't forget to use our promo code Brewroots for 10% off your online order today.
2: Cheers. Cheers! And now back to Jeff and John.
1: When you're coming up with a business plan in 2013, and we're just starting the haze craze at that point, and John <laughs> says you to weren't
3: you, going in that direction. John says I want to
1: uh, <laughs> just do loggers, or if that was the business plan, what did people say? You're crazy, or you're never going to succeed.
0: At, at that point in time, I mean, and still today, it didn't matter. I mean, we were doing Good. the Good business. Like that, yeah. We were doing the business that we set out to do, and that was to brew progressive European-inspired beers.
3: Were you scared at all? Were so you concerned?
0: Not in the least. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll be honest, because yeah. I knew that. You know, I, I think there's something so intuitive about knowing that when you're when you're gifted in a certain area and you've carved out a niche, that you can continue to drive that, and success will follow. It won't be easy. It won't be immediate. Yep. But it's going to follow if you're true to who you are, and so that was a very very important part. Um, of our of our inertia, that was the escape velocity that we needed. And yes, we developed a resilience brand, yep. which is which is very acutely focused on hoppy American ales, yep. and make no apology for that. Um, but that was that was something where the creative process demanded that we showcase our brewery skills not just on loggers but also on these styles. And from a business perspective, why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. Because in so many ways, that process then and there allowed us to continue to be shilling. And uh, I, I think that, you know, I I'm, I know John and I are both very, very happy with where that project, uh, where and how it's developed. For sure. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think people are now kind of, they're, they're, they're understanding the distinction between resilience and shilling beer.
1: Do you think people in 2020 are actually shifting towards the, I hate to say simple beers, mm-hmm. but people look at lagers, pilsners as... Beers that you can enjoy, clean. clean. Yeah. Um, well,
4: it's it's funny that you ask that because I, I it, it it's obviously I think we um, we're bucking in the U.S. We're bucking decades of mm-hmm. drinking uh, American lager. Um, and we're, you know, so I think most people have been turned to craft through big flavor, which differentiates itself hugely Yeah, the big, from the big guys. From, right. And, yep. and and I have, the, uh, to be honest, I, uh, I think it's fair to say I have the utmost respect for those breweries. In many ways, they, they have some of the best brewers in the world.
1: <laughs> the fact that you can have a consistent product from a can to a from bottle to a draft. Breweries. Absolutely. Right. It's amazing. It's amazing.
4: So, so I, <clears throat> as a brewer, I never... I never talk poorly about um, what it is that they do and the, the talent that they have. You might, not, you might not care for the final product in the glass. That might not be your favorite style. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people buck that trend, and so big flavors are what they're looking for. Right. And so for them, I think that's craft. Um, you know, but I, I look at... You, you go to Germany where craft beer actually is about... A half percent of the market. Yeah, it's mm. incredibly small. Wow. And and you you can't help but ask the question why, and, and the answer is really pretty easy. The beer quality is insanely good. Yeah. Right. So you, um, I mean, one of my favorite breweries in Germany is Bitburg, and uh, the Bitburger Pils is absolutely fantastic mm. um, and same thing it's the same every single time really really high quality anyway I'm a, a little bit of a rabbit hole but I think coming back to it the uh, if you look at the tradition, tradition over the decades and, and beyond they pair well with food they're highly enjoyable yeah. you know I mean I think people probably sample a beer and they develop their opinion on whether they like the flavors, the aroma, the appearance within the first sip, mm-hmm. and then they're mostly focused on, or I would hope, right. they're focused on the, the social aspect yeah. of their outing sure. yeah. and sitting together. And the beer becomes part of the experience, but in a lot of ways it's background. Um, and so for me, a well-formulated and brewed lager should Ultimately,: kind of
3: compliment the It should complement right? your food,
4: it should complement yeah. the social situation, yep. and it shouldn't be something you have to think too, too hard about. You like it,, yeah. and it's something you enjoy drinking. And um, yeah, so there are people who think, "Oh, this is just a, this is a yellow beer."
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Add a marker <laughs> to that, Ryan. That's going all. <laughs> right, right. yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and,
0: and I think that that John's synopsis of, of why we brew lagers, why that's uh, the central part of what showing is. Um, so well captures the social dynamic of, of beer drinking and enjoyment for us. For sure. Because you're remembering the experience, and that's something that we work very hard and very intentionally on here at Chilling. We're not, we're not simply a brewery that's that's making good beer. We're a brewery that's, that's developing these products within a certain context, with, within a certain place that's to be enjoyed in a certain way with certain people that you care about, and hence the narrative on the back of our cans. And it says more or less that. Okay. Yeah. And so that's really born of a, of a deep place for us mm. when it comes to thinking about the styles that we produce.
1: Yeah. You guys are in New Hampshire, obviously, um, surrounded by states that have Allagash, Trillium, Treehouse, uh, Alchemist. And you guys are really kind of the, the marquee uh, for New Hampshire, in my opinion. I think you guys are the leading brewery in New Hampshire. How does New Hampshire stay relevant surrounded by states that I just mentioned?
0: Yeah, you know, there's, New Hampshire has been handicapped for a long time because of many of its laws. Which and that's, is
3: funny. Aren't you live free and die? What are laws here?
0: <laughs> that's right. There's a, there's, a, there's a very strange juxtaposition between the ownership and enforcement and sale of alcohol that an agency has in the state with some of the other states. Uh, It doesn't work very well, (laughs) and that's not me saying that I'm out to dismantle the three-tiered system necessarily in our state, Um, but it has proven itself to be a handicap to all artisan beverages in this state. I'd agree. And so uh, we've obviously been forced to work within that. Yeah. Um, and we've done that to the best of our ability. It certainly doesn't impact the, the nature of the styles right. that we brew. It doesn't right. impact us in that way. But I know New Hampshire has been historically a very challenging state to do business in. And you see it not just from the perspective of the licensees that are producing, but you see it from the distributors as well.
1: You know, look at Night Shift just entering the right. state
0: this year. Mm-hmm. And our, our distributors vacation land. Yeah. And they've done a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. And we waited intentionally for Vacation Land to show up on the scene because we were not beholden to any of the other global forces that right. were behind beer. Right. They have a strong independent ethos that yep. really matched ours and a tremendous commitment to quality. So we held out distributing in the state until we had that correct partner. Yeah. And yeah. so we feel like they're a great match for us. Yeah. And they have been.
1: It's interesting you mentioned you held on, on distributing. A lot of people don't realize that you guys have been around as long For as you as six years right. yeah, yeah. Seven right? um, yeah. almost seven years. Yeah. Because right. of because of that, um, and it's just interesting to see what the growth I don't want to say could have been, but I mean it's just interesting that the restrictions that and we see it in Massachusetts too, I'm not saying that any state has a perfect system. But it's interesting to see how small businesses are Encouraged to succeed, but are are sometimes held down by government as well.
0: Well, we, interestingly, the first market in which we distributed our beer was Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Half <laughs> of our staff are yeah, Vermonters. Of <laughs> John's a Vermonter. <laughs> yep. And so, and it made, and as John mentioned, we looked at multiple sites in Vermont. It's what, seven minutes yeah, that's what I was Just say. just yeah. due west of us. And yeah. so it's it's kind of the same the northeast kingdom and the the white mountain regions or in great north woods in New Hampshire are very tied yeah and there's family on both sides of the river it kind of feels like its own place Mm. Uh, one of my children go to school over there and so I'm there every day and it's really it's kind of part of your every your everyday life so given the number of relationships that we have there and the and and a great distribution partner in Vermont Beer Shepherd why wouldn't we start there? Yeah. Which is what we did.
1: Yeah, yeah, smart move. There's really good beer drinkers, I feel like, in Vermont as well. Yeah, educated. They do a great job.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, let's stepping back a little bit. Where does the name Schilling come from? Was that your first you read choice? My mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, We have to ask that question. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the um, the Shilling name, I think, for made a lot of sense for for two reasons. Uh, Jeff and Matt and Stu and Bruce, um, well, the, the the guys, their 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 mom is a Shilling. Um, uh, that's the uh, the maternal name, and so uh, when we were talking about what we would name the brewery. I looked at my experience living in Austria for so long, I thought, you know, Schilling makes great sense. It's a great name. Um it was the current yeah. you know, it was the former currency and and a family for these guys, so um we decided it was a it was just a, a well placed a well placed name. Your for mom sure. must
0: have been Very pumped. cool. <laughs> <laughs> well she was, but it, it's funny because at that time when my, my granddad, um Dr. R. J. Schilling was still living, um we we offered up a a number of founder slots. We had 30 places for what we call founders club members to join. There's no ownership stake in the brewery, but there's a a singular fee, and then you have a lifetime of, of what you would call club benefits. And he bought membership places for my great grandfather, for other ancestors that I have, and so it was—it was really cool. And now <laughs> he's gone; his yeah. picture's actually downstairs at the bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's really meaningful to be able to uh, not only honor your family, um,
3: but have them a part but, of but,
0: everything, right? Yeah, th- for yeah. them to be part of it, but also you know to to s- to speak to the styles of beer that were passionate about brewing, and John's name's Lanzini, and so the Italians don't have the same <laughs> level of heritage.
3: Yeah, yeah. not quite the same.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I'm Italian, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, okay. <laughs> my,
4: my Sicilian grandmother would have taken real issue with the fact that, <laughs> yeah. that A, I, I studied German, and then... I spent so much time yeah. in German-speaking Europe, <laughs> and then I opened a German-style brewery
1: yeah. with, I could just with picture, my closest friends. I could just picture my mother, why are you naming it after me? That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to say it's dumb. It's not. It's awesome. Um, resilience. Let's talk about yeah. that brand just a
0: little bit. Yeah,
3: where did that come from? Where yeah. did that start even, too?
0: So I mentioned the, the infancy of the resilience narrative and why we did that. Um, the name we felt spoke to the nature of the North Country, generally, on both sides sure. of the border. This region is marked by people that have endured the ebb and flow of life. They've weathered it very well through thick and thin. And we felt like this name was very fitting as, an, as a tribute to our region. And I'm so, just shocked
1: yeah. it wasn't taken.
0: Like that's the, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, me too. Or yeah. was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. So, no, so that is our our trademark property. Yeah. And it's something that is, um, you know, beyond being fitting, it's something that we felt like had an enduring and even national quality to it, which is what you see in the symbol. Yeah.
3: And for those people who don't know, what is the resilience side?
0: So uh, resilience is very simply the side project of Schilling Beer Company focused on hoppy American ales. Okay. That's what it is.
3: Cool.
1: Um, Is there a... uh I feel like I know the answer to this, but is there a, a style of beer that you guys just don't really touch, or, 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 or? have
3: no interest in?
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well,
4: and not because we don't, we're not interested in it, but I, we don't brew. Um, many English style beers or mm. or, or British styles.
1: So my, no miles or anything.
4: Except right now. <laughs> There's always the
0: except.
4: <laughs> we I, have a we have an an awesome ESB that's on its way out. That's Ooh. that's coming coming out in the next few weeks. <laughs> Ryan's excited. Ryan
1: could drink a straw out of the bright tank. He would. I think. I <laughs> would literally do that.
0: I love ESBs yeah, too, ESB. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, But we,
4: but we don't. We've we've kind of focused on the Central European styles, the the continental styles, and. And um, of course, resilience hits, hits the American, the, the American ale styles, and and um, occasionally, um, you know, we'll we'll experiment. I, we don't do. Um, we, I don't think we've ever brewed a it. Um, and that's that's not something we typically do. But, <laughs> but in general, there's not a style that as as brewers and, and brewery owners we we dislike. Um, we just I think we. No. We've chosen to focus on, uh, I think, what's true and, and
0: sort of authentic yeah. for us. Yeah. Now, John, there's another genre that you're leaving out, fruit bombs. Ooh. John. John needs to expound on fruit bombs a little bit.
4: Yes, please. Well, you know, I think uh, it, it doesn't, that uh, as you noticed, I didn't mention it, it doesn't even come into my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All our hop heads are going to be so concerned. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, No, I think think that for
4: us is just, um, um, you know, I get it. I I, I get why people enjoy um, overly, what I would consider to be overly fruited um, beers or beers that I think um, don't traditionally have lactose and for me the only beer that that has lactose in it at least that we do would be a, a milk stout um but you know those are those are beers I, I know why we do it i also know why there's sugar in uh in your hamburger rolls right, right you know it, right. It, 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 mcdonald's has uh, has made an incredible hamburger roll and they <laughs> use a lot of sugar in it and so sure why wouldn't why wouldn't brewers say let's put lactose in a beer. Yeah. It's going to leave that residual sugar in our palates like that. Yeah. Um, however, I think it, I think it masks for me in the beers that we brew, the real flavor. It there. masks what the beer yeah. is. And I think it takes it into a, it just, it becomes a different beverage yeah. for me, uh-huh. for me in many ways.
1: Yeah. You can't hide behind a pills or a lager. <laughs> that's, if it, if it, that's right. If it sucks, <laughs> it, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say it. You don't have to. Um, <laughs> John is very polite. Yeah. <laughs> if um, you're a natural educator, I mean you're I feel like I can sense that your your passion to um, education. Edu- uh, <laughs> yes, thank
3: you. Yeah. To to, welcome. Teach, Anytime. to teach
1: to um, teach <laughs> to teach others. Um how does the like, apprenticeship work here, or passing your knowledge forward to other brewers?
4: Well, we've been we've been blessed. We've um, we've had a lot of really talented folks join our ranks over the years, and we've had a lot of really willing learners to join our ranks. So I would say, um, I mean, if I look at our staff right now, you know, one of the things that we we heard from them um, in uh, um, recent in recent you know weeks and months. Were hey you know give us give us more give us more information. I think we're blessed with with people who are ready to, ready to learn. In terms of passing it on, I, I you know we, I have a, a fantastic relation working relationship with uh, with our head brewer Chris Depot, and he has a real passion for his staff um, in in terms of teaching as well. Um, so, I think. I've naturally gravitated toward people who are A, interested in learning and B, also interested in passing on Mm -hmm. their knowledge and and really Paying that forward, I think it's important that we have a very educated group of people working in our brewery. I want, um, you know, it's real easy to learn how to turn this valve or this valve. It's, right. it's 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 much more of a task to understand what it is,
3: why you're doing it. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. And
4: you know, I, I and and we've said it over over time, and something that I've tried to live out in in who I am as a brewer is um, is to really strive for that That next level and so i've I've challenged our our staff chris uh, first and foremost to uh to get involved academically and and he's done that and I've been blessed to have opportunities to publish over the last you know the last years and also speak at at um at different symposia uh some of them in germany and and um, uh, spoke at cbc a few Very years cool. ago and yeah um so that's been a challenge that we've i think um implicitly issued for our for our, our staff.
3: Yeah.
2: Great conversation so far, but we'll be right back from a quick break.
3: This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap.
2: Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo code Roo roots for five dollars off your
1: first box
3: head on over to shirts today and remember drink better beer wear better shirts
2: hey sound guy ryan here didn't know if you heard but we're a part of the hopped up network There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer, so go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. And now, back to the interview.
3: Switching gears real quick, um, let's talk about marketing. You know, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Mm. What's it like marketing beer?
1: <laughs> I, or I think... marketing not hoppy IPA yeah, beer. Right, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, first and foremost, let me, uh, let me send some kudos to Sarah Brian, our, our VP. Woo-hoo. Yeah, she's, she's <laughs> done a phenomenal job uh, on that task. Um, Prior to this year, I was doing the social media. You'll notice a dramatic uptick. <laughs> um, yeah, yep. she's, she's a natural. So I, I think in all of our marketing, one of the, the tricks is communicating who we are. We want to communicate our identity, the attitudes, the values, and the beliefs that we foster as a breed. That, that needs to come out in the nature of the, the graphic. It needs to come out in the, the text. It needs to show people. They, they need to be able to feel who we are. And I always want to be able to convey emotion, especially at pivotal points in our marketing material. We never purchase marketing. That's been something where uh, we we decided that long ago. We wanted an organic yeah, approach that, yep. that, you know, it really effectively conveyed where we are, conveyed our sense of place. We count on word of mouth a great deal. It carries a lot of weight in the North Country. Yep. That's something we rely on. And so over time, and I think you alluded to this earlier. There are a lot of people that really maybe haven't known about us, and that's fine. Word getting out takes time. Yeah.
1: We'll help with that. Well, we know that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, why are people c- grabbing shilling in um, in package stores across Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Washington, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, New-, New York, Rhode Island, all the states? I think there's a couple more <laughs> that I haven't mentioned. Sure. Why are people grabbing it over the hazy boys right now
0: Why are they grabbing it you know i think there's a there's a drinking experience that john alluded to when we talk about why we brew lagers in the first place Um, we talk about developing conversation developing relationships over a product that's exceptional but doesn't wreck the palate that calls for more that pairs well with food that pairs well with polite society and I think those, I think st- stringing <laughs> yeah. all of that together yeah. is very important for us. And so we try to do that in a nuanced way. We try to do it, and, and you see that in the styles that we're producing. Yep. Um, so many of, of John's brain children um, come out there, they look different from each other, but. In so many ways only someone with a pretty sophisticated lager palette is gonna pick out those distinctions. Yeah. Yeah. And so and that reflects both our, our regional inspiration across Europe, it reflects John and Chris's ingenuity. Um, but it, it's also reflective of our diversity to this, you know, our interest in furthering this process. Yeah, for sure. So and, and we want that available to people.
1: I, I think and, and and I agree with everything you're saying. I think the reason people are grabbing your cans is because your cans make no bones about what's in the in the the liquid that's in there Mm -hmm. so when you read the can it's what you're getting it's chilling it's It's a lager so i think that's a lot of attribution to the brand that you guys have built so far so i applaud you you guys for doing that because there are a lot of cans on the market and people we've interviewed before that do not deliver on distribution wise and i feel like Beer I've had here is just as good as the beer I'll get in a can, and that's a hard thing to do. So, that that means Kudos. a ton to
4: us. <laughs> yeah it does yeah. mean a ton, and, yeah. and that speaks that speaks volumes of um, our you know of our staff and their commitment to doing things the right way each and every day. Um, yeah. You know, putting putting beer in a in a small package is a challenge. Yeah. For sure, it really is, and and um, and we know that in some of our markets, you know. Small places get our small format and you know move through rate. We'd like to think is Really fantastic Occasionally stuff stuff sits and so we have in mind You know our worst case scenarios of how long a small package could sit out there and we um, We really work toward having low dissolved oxygen levels in those in those formats
0: we're also working with distributors who Really tend to police. Yeah, that. No, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's such huge. a huge thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're and we're fortunate because a lot of the stuff that we're sending um, to some of the locations that you that you intimated, the sell through rate is pretty pretty substantial. And yeah. so that's. Uh, it feels good. It feel, doesn't feel as good that we can't supply those markets as much as we would like. Right, it's um, a good problem to have. Yeah, <laughs> it could be it worse, is. right? Yeah. yeah, no, no, it is. But it, but you know, there's a huge amount of credit due as John mentioned to our production staff.
1: So I'd like to get to the point where we kind of talk about what you feel comfortable letting us know. What's next mm-hmm. for you guys? Let's start with the wild beer program.
4: Ooh. Yeah, no, I okay. think so we, um, yeah, so Chris, <laughs> Chris Depot uh, we brought on originally as our uh, as our head blender. Um, we um, we had the vision of uh, launching a mixed culture program that would be robust and authentic, and um, you know, again, I think fit right within the Schilling model of being balanced and well formulated and nuanced, and it didn't have to be the the
3: the big you fruit know, bombs or, or something yeah. right, or, or, New Hampshire's missing. right. <laughs> <laughs> or,
4: or you know the the total acid or the ph yeah. didn't have to be the lowest out there right. it just had to it had to be something that people would enjoy and we found in chris um a, a real artist i mean chris is a um i think that's the best way to describe him he's a tech he's a technician he's um a microbiologist but he's um He's really an artist, and he's fantastic at what he does. And when we picked him up, we brought him in, and, and clearly we um, we, thought, we thought that he was um, um, good enough that we wanted him really at the helm as head brewer um, and, and not just as head blender, but we brought him in and, and, and then elevated him and his work. But that, that's something that we see going forward. We, um, we, we intentionally built a space for that. We're right on the river. Um, the lower level of the of the new brewery um, has river-facing windows, and we put those in very intentionally to have cool shipping. Cool. And so we have a cool ship. Yes. Uh,
1: we, You'll uh,
0: taste some shortly. Oh, my Oh, my gosh.
4: yes. Very exciting. I'm very excited
1: about that. Yeah. Um, our beer nerds will kill us if we Break don't out. ask this. Um, <laughs> what are you guys brewing on?
4: What we're brewing on? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's a five-vessel Newland system. We were really, really fortunate before Newlands had challenges and and had to temporarily close their doors. Um, they uh, they design built our five-vessel brew house, and uh, was a was really a a dream for me to something we we envisioned in 2013. Weren't able to, of course, start with. Um, um, again, we're closely held in a very small ownership group. Group, but we, um, I think, from the get-go, we knew um, what our commitment to decocted loggers was, and cool. um, and still is, and and so anyway, our, our brew house is built around that. So we have dedicated mash mixer. Um, Twenty barrels. It's, yeah, twenty, 20, barrels. 20 barrel <laughs> system. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. That's the number we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, twenty barrel system with the ability to uh, our throughput is really quite good. So if um, if batch one is a six and a half seven hour beer, we're we're knocking out the second batch two to two to two and a half hours later. Great. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and and the tech on it is is fantastic. Uh, it's obviously decoction capable, and um, we have. Uh, uh, dedicated lauter, dedicated whirlpool, um, German style whirlpool, so not coned, but but um, um, vertically dished um, upward. So um, yeah, it's it's a it's a joy. That's cool. You it's, can do
3: whatever you want on it. Yeah, yeah. It's
4: a joy to brew on. Honestly, I mean, I think every brewer we've had who's come from elsewhere has said, "Wow, this is a joy to brew on."
3: I can imagine. Cool. Um, yeah.
4: So yeah, I mean, so for the homebrewers out there, you, you know, it is. It's a uh, you know, I've done the I've done the ribs, <laughs> the rims, and the yeah, the, yeah. The, brew, the brew in a bag, and all yep, that stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, doing this is um, is a different world, and it's uh, it's a Very lot of fun. fun.
0: Very cool. I can say without hesitation the beer that you're making on our system now. Is, <laughs> is, is it better is, than before? It, it's better than the yellow bucket system you had at Purdue in 1996, John. Aww. Um it's, it's awesome to see that
1: you guys maintain friendship over how many years? The business uh,
3: didn't you know, break things up yeah. for you guys, so that's it's pretty cool. A, it's
1: some of the rules of working you should not work <laughs> with your friends, your wife, or significant others. Check all of those yeah. boxes. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> So now
3: you made it work, so that's right. really cool. What do you guys do to
1: make it work?
0: <laughs> I think well, we differentiate. Drink beer. The, well, we drink beer. I, I think we, you know, we've we've developed, uh, including Stu and Matt, uh, my two other brothers in this, we've developed a really open and honest system of conversation. Yeah. Nothing is perfect. We all, you know, have spits and spats with each other over time, of but course. you know, you just be honest with each other. You know, you screw up, you you call the person on it, and then you rectify it. And and they fail fast, recover
1: quickly.
4: It's it's just commitment. It's a commitment, absolutely. that's what what it comes down to. It
0: is, and and we went into this knowing that we would never let our business wreck our friendship, and so and that was a really important thing for us. Um, And I and I think that having having so many other so many different disciplines within a business. I mean, you need different people with different skill sets to make a business work. Being able to specify who does what and try to stay out of each other's way as much as we can during during those periods. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when you all own a business. Right. But when you're working in the business as well, you want to make sure you're not replicating efforts. Yeah. And mm, that can course. be hard. Um, so I think we've done a, you know, we haven't done a, a perfect job on that. It's really but we've done all right, though. But we, yeah, we, we've, yeah. done, we've done yeah. it. All.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I am curious what's in your f- r- respected fridges at home?
0: Alexander 10 is in my fridge right now, which is yeah. our, our our Czech pills, Ooh. Cool. and I drink nice. it regularly.
4: <laughs> All <Yeah>. right, <laughs> and you got you guys are drinking it. So I I brought home Ludiga, um, which is, is our uh, which are our Hellas and um, oh, wonderful, and um, and then also um, uh, Chris Chris Depot conceived of a fantastic winter saison that I've I've got in my fridge right now, Glacial, and. Thank you. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I, I typically, as um, I taste through tanks, cheers. What are we drinking here? We're drinking
0: right now, too.
3: We are, yes.
4: <laughs> what is this, Sarah? Alpinista.
1: Birra Alpinista. Nice. So Italian oh, it pills. This amazing. is the one I was I think Ryan we're and I were most yeah.
2: yeah, I saw it posted on Instagram. I'm like, yep, it better be there. If it's not, I'll be sad.
1: Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's delicious. But nice the, um,
4: yeah, you know, I, uh, I also, I rarely grab for uh, a dipa. Um, and I, again, I, I I drink between four four and five percent beers, um, but we have a we have a, a dip on right now that uh, April Morovic uh, designed for us, and it's called Fringe, and it's uh, a rye double IPA, Ooh, and nice. it's it's gorgeous. It um, it's juicy, but it's got complexity. It's it's spicy, and um, so that's in my fridge
0: too. So I'm I'm gonna be very transparent. I'm I'm a huge <laughs> lager drinker. Yes. Um, Weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange, but I actually consumed a four pack of Fringe last Saturday. Wow. I, I and acknowledge how how that. do you feel? Oh well. I feel great now. Good. Don't
1: good. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you feel great now, but how did you feel at the time? No.
0: I, I, no. I I feel great, and I will say that um, April has really taken our our resilience. Project to another level. That's awesome, and we are extremely proud of that. And, yeah. and that's coming from Logger Guys, unquestionably. Um, <laughs> Stu, our, our our other business partner, who just showed his face here. I think he was come in for a beer. I'm not sure where he went, but um, he is a it's he like is pied, a Pied Piper. You he's right. actually we we, saw beers going by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we keep him in the trunk a little bit, but he's the uh, he's the huge hop head of the ownership yep. group. Yep. And he is a regular connoisseur of comover, of pony hawk, yes. and a fringe. And so, and we're continuing to, um, as you know, John talked about the uh, the wild beer program. We're really continuing to develop the innovation on the hop schedules on our yeah. resilience products as well.
1: I just think a feather in your cap again is being able to have that commitment, same commitment to styles that you don't care not, don't care about, but that are lesser favorites of yours and still execute them excellently and keep that
0: commitment.
3: Yeah. You're not just doing them just to do them just so you can get those hop heads here. We, right. would,
0: n- we would never and, and this is the thing because all of us stand behind the beers that are a reflection of us. Yeah. yeah. And it's very important if there's one thing that I could convey to your to your listeners it's that when you're drinking a beer that we make you're you're drinking something that is very much part of our 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 passion. This is where we're coming from and so Everything you see in the market, everything you see coming off of our tap wall, uh, it's a reflection of us. We take it very personally. And that, that doesn't mean that we're not willing to listen to, to criticism or feedback or anything else, but being excellent at what we do is one of our values as a company. And if we're not making a world-class product, we're doing something wrong. And that doesn't matter whether it's a you know 3.8% uh, check pills, which, uh, uh, petite pills, which is yeah. coming out uh, in, in the next quarter, well, it's. <laughs> or or if it's a nine percent double IPA on the resilience line, uh, it needs to meet our standards. And sure. I I would encourage brewers that are just starting out to enter the market with that attitude because that will that will sustain your business. Full stop. My job. <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. Oh my gosh! I think we heard Rob Todd say very similar
1: thing to that too. Awesome? <laughs> Rob, Rob is a great guy, so yeah. Listen, yeah. Yeah. listen to him. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yes.
4: Well, it, awesome. it is. Um, I think that's worth that's worth emphasizing, even a, even a, a step further, is to say, you know, we we all read an article here in house the other day on um, you know on hype beers, and I would also encourage brewers to. Um, Brew to their passion and 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 also not be afraid to brew what people might consider to be sort of old world, old, outdated beers. Those beers have been vetted for a really long time and there's a reason why they still have a place in today's market. And um, I, I I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I think most of the brewers who are listening go, yeah, we yeah. get that. We we <laughs> like those beers, and we love those. We love trying to brew those beers, but but I think as you enter the market, I think you don't need to feel like you need to brew what everybody wants. You need to brew what you love, and you need to do the it. Passion well. will show through, I yeah, think, I agree. as well.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I guess our most important question for you guys is where are you physically located and what are some states that we can get your product, our listeners?
0: Sure. So New Hampshire is pretty much the only place or one of the few places you're going to see any resilience beers. We want to keep our, okay. our hoppy products as close to home as possible. And so, once in a while, so you'll, to maintain just the integrity the, the of the freshness, beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the integrity it's of the product, really
3: not a bad idea. It's not so, as bad idea. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: I mean, it, it's it's soul crushing to see things that you've worked on <laughs> <Yes>. so diligently <laughs> sitting on a mark, you know, on a, on a shelf somewhere. And um, we our policies that all of our beers obviously should be refrigerated, especially those those styles. Um, yeah. So, you will see resilience products close to home. Uh, Shilling, you will see in Vermont obviously New Hampshire, and and I will just say that most of the, you're you're seeing only about, I would say 40% of the beers uh, that we produce out in distribution. The vast majority of the styles that we make are only sold here at Schilling. Our wild beers are almost exclusively sold here. Uh, many of our experimental lagers are only available here, whether that's in, in package format or off the wall. Uh, but certainly New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, uh, Washington, D.C., Virginia, Michigan, um, New York. New York. Yeah, New York City. Yeah. Absolutely. We just launched in New York City. Yeah.
1: Any plans nice. for Philly? I know that market is is a market that if you can it's make it huge. in Philly, you can.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a um, – our, our distributor in New York City, Serene, who are doing a phenomenal job for us in the city – Uh, they do distribute to to Philly. We don't have enough beer to do that right now.
3: (laughs) I feel like that's usually the issue, right? Right. Yeah. So we want
0: to make sure that we can fulfill the commitments that we have to those markets right now and um, honestly, that's a, a challenge for us, especially as we get into the summer season, and oh yeah, uh, so course. many of our sales are just on site. I was gonna yeah. say, and actually, it's important to feed the mouth set. Yeah, right. do you yeah. find oh, yeah. that your
3: beers sell more in the summer season because you brew, you know, the nice crisp, clean beers?
0: So you know, there is nothing better for either of us than walking in to Shilling and seeing our beer garden and both of our decks full of people drinking a a, a vice beer or drinking one of our lagers. (laughs) (laughs) So that really warms the soul. Yeah. Um, And, and that's the experience we're looking for here on the river. Yeah, And so that is, we sell a ton of beer in the summer. I bet that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Absolutely. And social media, where are you guys? So we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Um, all, all the usual spots. Cool. Yep. Uh, so really encourage you to look at, look us up on Instagram. That's where you're going to see a lot of the, the most All the fun rip, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> all the fun stuff, the release information at Schilling Beer.
1: Yeah. Awesome. That's how we knew about this this wonderful beer. <laughs> awesome about, about yeah. everything. Because
3: yeah. Ryan's obsessed. Yes. Um, or whatever. And then our, our
1: last question you want to yeah, ask. Yeah,
3: so we always like to end on, uh, what are you most proud of? And that's as vague as he wanted it to be <laughs> yeah
4: you know I, I, I would speak to that I would say I'm most proud of, of um, starting a business from the ground up again we uh, with the exception of Stu who, who has a degree in finance, none of us were business people to, to coming into this yeah and um, you know we now we see our, our, our employee base which is yearly with all of our operations around 75 and it swells that's to awesome. 100.
1: Wow! Yeah, That's it's close awesome. to 100
4: in, in the middle of the summer and um, um, I take a lot of pride in that, um, yeah. that we, um, we are a, a, a fairly major employer in, this the, North, in, this, yeah. in the North Country. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of that and, I, and I'm proud that we stuck to our guns with our commitment to um, our quality and we, um, we didn't deviate from that. Um, so that for me, those are the two things.
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the fact that we've started from nothing. Um, it's and, and it's, yeah. it's, it is huge. It is huge. but pretty cool. But John alluded to in that, that last part, the fact that we've been able to run our business commensurate with our values. We, can, we, we produce something that we're extremely proud of in all of our, all of our beer styles. But we're also, uh, we have a staff that truly treats each other like family. Which is another one of our values. That's
3: amazing. Yeah. And
0: it's an amazing place to come to work every day when you see people collaborating and you feel it. It's, it's one thing just to pay lip service to that. But when you come in and you see it and you see yeah. we have such an intensely loyal staff that I, I don't even know how to begin thanking them. Hmm. And so that's, that's an amazing feeling. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that it will be. I mean, I may be kind of retired in a director seat someday <laughs> before I fully appreciate showing in this experience. Yeah. I and mean, it's really been an amazing ride. That's awesome. Yeah. That was good. That was wow. awesome. I got
3: the chills. Yeah, that's a great way to end this.
0: <laughs> so uh thank you guys for doing
1: this. We really appreciate thank you so it. Much. Thank you. We're we got, honored. Yeah. Thank you. We got you out on time too. This isn't even the best part. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gotta finish this beer though first. So uh you guys don't want to hear that conversation so
3: until next time until
0: next time
1: cheers.
3: cheers
0: cheers
1: all right well thank you guys for making it this far and you know what happens when you make it this far
2: you win a prize nope oh what do you do you uh, find
1: out who we have next week but i don't even know that me neither Oh, well but you know how you could find out because we are totally unprepared for our next week's guest
2: is you can follow us on social media at Burroots at instagram facebook and twitter that's right and we're also on tiktok
1: ryan's favorite medium mm. he's so good at all the tiktok dances it's crazy i haven't done one he's lying he's done them all well we'll catch you guys next week and uh, uh yeah until next week cheers, cheers.